The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees, and the Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, BC, Canada. I'm going to be very transparent here and say that the following interview is in my top five favorite interviews ever on this podcast. And I've done almost 200. I've been doing it since 2014. I don't want to say exactly where I would place this episode because I don't want to hurt other people's feelings, but something about it was just so enchanting. Well, I know it wasn't something. Velda, so enchanting. I, I, I just felt magic in the air while my guest Velda was speaking. I read her book called Blended like last year, and then I saw her once in person this past fall at one of my book launch events. But something about the sound of her voice in this interview was transporting, maybe bewitching, like in a good way. Um, her, Her story choice, the way she answered questions on the spot so beautifully, I mean, enchanting. She sung me to life in a way. Velda Thomas was born and educated in England with a biracial family ancestry sourced from Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas. Healing modalities have always been of interest. Her love of plants, herbal remedies, somatic and ritual experiences weave passion with grounded human experience and also with creativity and freedom of expression. Velda has worked as a kindergarten teacher, an adult educator, a birth doula, massage therapist, and a sound practitioner and writer. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and stay tuned to hear more at the end about where I took the conversation after we stopped recording. So Velda, what identities do you lead with? So first of all, I love that question. I had to think about it a little bit. And my first instinct was more so the identity that I would like to lead with or, or yeah, kind of, or dream into leading with is I would like to lead into the identity of being human. Mm. So that was my first response was kind of like, I'm always asking myself the question, what does it mean to be human? How can I be more human? And how can I embody that more and be that more in my mm. life, in practice, in action? Yeah. So, so I was kind of like, oh, that's, that, that would be my dream or my kind of like aspiration identity, I guess. Um, I feel like I definitely identify as a black woman. And I, I feel like I have to say a little bit about that because I, um, I don't have any connection to the Northern European white side of my heritage at this point. So I was raised by my black family, um, very matriarchal family. And um, that identity seems to come easiest right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, I consider myself a creative. I definitely identify as a creative. Um, And when I say that, I feel like 
my hands are a huge part of all of my work, whether it be writing, art, printmaking, gardening, being with horses, being with bees, it's all kind of, there's a creative infusion from all of those things. So that identity is really important to me, actually, because I feel like that one is one that feeds me strongly. And the other identity, I guess, would be, you know, part of what the book I wrote was about, about kind of being mixed race. You know, what is it, the identity that, that means I have one foot in each world possibly and how am I how am I bridging that and yeah living into that identity Mm. as someone who is a creative I'm curious if I can follow up with what I think is a tough question but I imagine you've thought about it a bit because you said you're leaning into the identity of being human Mm. so two questions that are, they sound similar, but they're getting at something different. So Mm. what do you think it means to be human? Mm -hmm. And what do you think it takes to be human? I knew you were going to ask me some really hard questions today. (laughs) You're so poetic and lyrical. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, What does it mean to be human? I think it means being true to your essence, being true to who you are. When I was raising my kids, I was always a big proponent of kindness, Mm. you know, kindness. And I feel like as a human, that's important. It's important also to maybe feel into forgiveness and grace. Mm. Um, because there's so many, so many things that are hard to deal with in as being a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the second question? What does it take to be human? Because mm-hmm. those are really difficult things. You know, yeah, when you say you have to yeah. lean into grace because it's hard to be human. What do you think it takes to be human? Yeah. Or to lean into our humanness? Mm-hmm. I, I think there was, um, I think... I think it maybe it also kind of begins with like being interested in in that mm-hmm. like maybe that's a starting point like do I does it even matter to me that you know so so maybe you know maybe not everybody's thinking about that oh I'm a human being and there's a dog and there's a bear and there's a this like what you know they I sometimes I look at animals and I think to myself oh they're so perfectly the dog is so perfectly dog like <laughs> yeah what is what does a human need to do to be completely human mm-hmm. so I think it might have something to do with like simplifying and slowing down mm-hmm. and having our feet more on the earth um being more connected to or or you know f- I, I say being more connected but what I really would like to think is that we can all feel connected to everything that's around us Mm. whether it be human or non-human that that we're Mm -hmm. kind of in a a space of oneness Mm -hmm. um yeah Mm. those are good questions Carmen I'll be thinking about those for a while I don't don't think I I don't think I have the the complete answer no I mean I've never asked anybody like so tell us the meaning of life um you know yeah yeah you're doing great (laughs) on the spot here thank you thank you okay so your book 
which is called Blended Perspectives on Belonging, and the subtitle is A Participatory Notebook. Um, mm-hmm. Its dedication really struck me. You say it's dedicated to the protectors and warriors who work with sacred truth. So who is that? Like, who mm-hmm. who comes to mind? Anyone specific for you? And, and I guess the follow-up to that is, what is sacred truth to you? Sure, yeah. I don't have anyone specific in mind when I'm thinking of that. What I'm really thinking of are the people that came before me that Mm -hmm. kind of laid out this path so that I could be who I am right now. So really, um, it's dedicated to the ancestors, the, the people that came before and did all this work so that I can now sit down and put pen to paper and write a book, you know, Mm -hmm. and have people receive it. So um, that's huge. Yeah, that's a huge thing to actually kind of give credit to those that came before. Yeah. Um, And then what is sacred truth was your other question, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like sacred truth is maybe the information that's behind the obvious Mm. kind of like um sometimes I practice sound and I say that the practice of using vocal sound particularly is about um making what's inaudible audible to the person who's receiving so that kind of like what the sacred truth is what is under the surface and accessible all the time but you know I don't know, in my life, I feel like it's been covered up by layers and layers of experiences. And sometimes it takes me a moment to actually get to my truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can, I can feel in myself and feel in what like listeners out in the ether being like hard relate, like just like, <laughs> like that really. Yeah. It's hard to relate to. No, no. Like I relate to that so hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good, good. yeah. 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 I, yeah. Hey, I'm curious when you say I work with sound, do you, how, what, what does that, what's so, that process like? The pro, what does it look like for someone receiving? So, um, so the process is that the person would be clothed on a massage table or on the floor. And my main instrument is my voice. And the reason that I think I have um, found access to this is because the voice is, you know, a lot of people are using tuning forks, um, bowls and things like that. And they all have one frequency. They, they have their own individual frequency, where with the human voice, if a person, it, it's not so much about making sound, it's really about listening mm-hmm. and, and having the sound come through the body and audible through the breath towards the person, and then it is applied specifically to them. So it has this kind of aperture that um, can shift according to the person's tissue, their spirit, their whatever is coursing through them at any one time. So my my job as a practitioner is to listen and to make audible that which is not audible. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So you are with breath and sounds and sort of vocables and things, you mm-hmm. are trying to offer voice to what you're sensing in the body. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That just feels 
beautiful. I can feel myself, imagine myself laying out on a table. Yeah, Um, it's like singing someone's soul or their bones. But I I don't like to use the word singing because you don't have to be a singer to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It's about, again, accessing that truth, that Mm -hmm. sacred truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In my work with contact nutrition, we talk about, you know, the contact nutrition is the building blocks of secure attachment. And there's five different forms. It's kind eyes, it's vocal prosody, it's safe touch, it's shared rhythm, and it's ingestion Mm. behaviors like eating and drinking together. Mm. And when we think about vocal prosody, I'm, I'm always sort of telling people it's like, you know, what you just did, like, mm, like resonance, right? There's Mm -hmm. all these vocables, these sounds that we make and our breath, if our Mm -hmm. breath stops or if it catches or if it starts to tremble or that kind of thing. And these are some of the ways that we know we're engaging with a human, Mm -hmm. right? So I, I, it makes sense to me that you would work in that way as somebody sinking into sacred truth. Hmm, that's beautiful. So in the opening passages of your book, you describe how the creation of this participatory notebook came about. Um, and here's a quote. Uh, a few years ago, you began a journey with a voice that was new to you. So looking back now, was there something that happened that helped yeah. that new voice come forward? And, and what's changed in your life, do you think, that made it safe enough for this voice to be heard? That's a really good question. Um, well, I, th- I think I have to kind of like tell you a little bit of a backstory. Great. Um, so my mother passed away in 2017. Um, we had a very unusual kind of um, not such an easy relationship, I would say. So um, in some ways, her passing was a relief. Mm-hmm. And after her her passing, um, I think it was like maybe the day of her funeral, an old family friend came over to the house and we were sitting on the couch kind of talking and she said to me um, something like, yeah, one time your mom told me something and I said to her, you know, you should, you should tell Velda that, you really should tell her that, she needs to know that. And at the time, I think I was just... I don't know, maybe disassociated, who knows? I didn't ask about what the thing was. <laughs> so I went away and this is, I was in England. I came back to the US and was thinking about this. What is this thing that, gosh, you know, I need to contact her, but this woman's in her eighties. So I'm thinking, mm. thinking about this thing. And then I planned a trip to go meet my daughter in Morocco and stopped off in the UK on the way. So when I was in the UK, I made the effort to go to be with this woman, have tea with her. And I kind of was like, hey, you know, remember when we had that conversation and you said to me, um, my mom had said this, this and this. And I said, I'd really love to know what was it that she said? And she looked at me and said, I'm not going to tell you that. And in that moment, I was like. It was not what I expected. I just imagined that she would come forth with information that was, it felt like it was my information to have from the beginning, right? So she did not tell me. Wow. Um, She said that she felt like um, I had done so much already and I needed to just kind of move on with my life and be happy and... And I left the house feeling like just completely disoriented, just kind totally. of like I, I felt like I needed this information, but what did I need this information for? 
You made and, an entire trip to England. Well, no, I, I had other things, things to do there, yeah, but, but, but still. still, but still, I did make the effort to see her. Mm-hmm. And then um, I spent the evening like in a hotel room and I just couldn't sleep. I was like wrestling with what, what just happened to me? What, yeah. what was going on? And why did I feel like I had like put all my, my hooks kind of in this one, one experience, like, like somebody from the outside was going to give me something that I needed that was going to validate me in some way. And Mm -hmm. it didn't happen. And I, it Mm -hmm. was kind of a repetition of maybe some things that had happened in my life previous to that point. But when I got to Morocco, which is the first time I had ever been there, I sat on a rooftop and I just pulled out my phone and I started writing. And it was from, it was almost like from a place of something had cracked open, Mm. kind of like, um, I mean, if I were to verbalize it now, it would be something like, I recognized that I didn't actually need that information to be whole myself. Mm -hmm. I still don't have that information, by the way. Wow. You know, it's just like, I'm just, I just have to live with the not knowing and give myself whatever it is that I need. And so I just started writing and it was, um, what I realize now is that for me, writing often starts from a feeling place. Mm-hmm. Like I have to feel it. And then I'm, and so sometimes it's uncomfortable, which exactly that was, it was an uncomfortable, unpleasant experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I did a really good job of like kind of tamping it down for her mm-hmm. and kind of not making it like, I need you to tell me this right now, but, you know, kind mm-hmm. of getting into it. I was like, okay, she doesn't want to tell me. And there's a reason. So I just kind of walked away from it. And I think that also maybe comes from um, being of Caribbean descent and having respect for our elders. Mm -hmm. Like when elders say something, it's often not questioned. It's kind of like out of respect, you just let it be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, So I would say that was one of the things that opened me to... Um again we're back to sacred truth Mm -hmm. opened me again to kind of like a different level of my being willing to expose a different level of my own truth Mm. yeah okay I have to gather myself and collect myself first of all I am amazed at the will of this woman to have a young woman who she seems to love and and to say that's not my information to give you your your mother chose not to tell you so I'm not going to either I I wouldn't be able to stand it I would oh it was hard that's 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 wild so she has a discipline that I do not possess maybe when I'm older um but also for you to be able to sit with the like I feel physically uncomfortable totally. empathizing with you and just yeah. like wanting to crawl out of my skin and just like what yeah <laughs> and what does it matter what does it matter to my mom now what does yeah it exactly to you? Like- I think I may even have said something to her like <laughs> well I guess that information is going to go to the grave with you and she said yes wow so wow. yeah, I was just kind of like, yeah. okay, I think I tried a few different angles that exactly. day. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very respectful kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah Would you yeah. like some guilt? Nope. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> let's try something else. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, good for you, Velda. Like you did a thing sitting with the, the that and, and finding a process. 
something yeah. happened. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm still shocked. Amazing. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that story. No problem. Okay. So, so then the voice is coming through and here is your book, which is a collection of stories and essays. And every one of these essays or stories is anchored by two very short, but not always very simple questions. So um, I have ever since I read the book, I was like, oh, I know exactly how I'm going to interview her, <laughs> ask her to, to answer some of these questions because they're really provocative and they're deep. So for instance, you ask, how is a cultural bridge created between people? Mm-hmm. How would you answer that question? How is a yeah. cultural bridge created between people? So so the first thing I want to say is that, you know, sometimes I feel like in our culture, we feel pressure to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Like we feel like someone answers, asks us a question and we have to have an answer. Except and, that and woman. She was like, no, I'm she not was like, no, thanks. I'm not, no I, I don't have to, I'm not beholden to this in any way. Um, but I feel like in our culture, like sometimes people will ask me, say, for example, um, they might ask me a question that I think I write about a little bit in the book is like, what are you? Mm-hmm. So sometimes people will come and I, and I, always used to feel I have to answer that question. I, I have to fill that with something. I can't mm-hmm. say mind your own business or, mm-hmm. you know. So what I know now about the nature of questions is that it's really important to sometimes live with a question. Mm-hmm. So, so it's important to let, almost like let the question massage you. It's like, Mm -hmm. just walk with the question through your life for as long as it takes until you feel like you have an answer that's satisfactory to you. It's not that you have to answer it right now. Mm -hmm. There's no sense of urgency around it. It's like, you know, let that, let that question kind of move, move you in its own way to your answer. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the reason that um, the book has these questions in it so that people can come to their own place of understanding. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing my experience and a little bit of poetry and some things in there, but come to your own experience through the question. Don't take my answer as the answer, Mm -hmm. right? So I just want to kind of say that first. Um, So the question is about a cultural bridge, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I I think it starts off with... First of all, um, an ability to recognize that as humans, we center ourselves mm-hmm. and to be on the periphery for a minute. Like, you know, there's a way that people can be observing the center, but, but, but also be holding kind of the periphery. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be important to kind of like work on stepping back for a minute, maybe not saying as much for a minute, if you're really interested in someone else's culture, being observant, being interested, being willing, willing to um, take guidance or, or diff- to learn, to uh, be a, an active learner, being willing in, in learning about um, different cultural practices and different um, ways of being in different cultures. I think it it's kind of, um, as I'm talking about it now, I'm thinking it's almost kind of like 
giving yourself permission to or consent to kind of be something different to experience something different that you maybe have not Mm. to make Mm -hmm. this make it make this bridge yeah and also Mm. recognizing that sometimes you might not be allowed in yeah it might be kind of like sorry Mm -hmm. we need to leave the room now Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. this is just for us Mm -hmm. and this is for you yeah yeah so respect respect as well Mm -hmm. for sure yeah I hear that I'm thinking too, sometimes you help build the bridge, but you can never cross it. It's like, this is here. And if you ever, you know, or if you ask me over, I can, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, an invitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To Mm -hmm. not, and and I think that's part of like the, the decentering, not feeling like, um, this is yours to have, but feeling like, let me observe and see if I'm invited in. So, the next question in your book, you ask, How are you transactional in relation to yourself? Oh my gosh, why did I write that question? I know. I was like, This is is long. Why did I write that question? What do you want to share about your answer to that question? Uh, Well, first of all, um, it's based, it comes out of a piece that I wrote about being in service and being in service as a black woman to others. So, um, so that's, that's another thing to say is that all the questions are in relation to the writing that's in the book. So, Mm -hmm. um, I had thought about like making a deck of cards with these questions on them, but Mm -hmm. then I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if they even make sense because how (laughs) would somebody answer that question out of context? You know? So, um, I wrote a couple. So what I want to do, I'm going to read you this little bit in my book that I think might answer the question. It's, it's from this piece um, in service. In honor of my ancestors' hard work towards freedom, I must continue to move in the progressive direction of getting free. Free of the remnants of slavery created by systems of white supremacy fed by greed, still running its agenda through me, which means I am examining standards I have accepted for myself within within all my current relationships, asking myself difficult questions like, how am I received when I'm meeting my own needs? Am I welcome when I am not giving? Am I invited because my presence soothes? Am I supported with no expectation? Hmm. So, so, you know, for me, the transactional piece that I'm writing about in, in service is giving and receiving and recognizing that I have, for those reasons, um, placed myself in a position of giving majority of the time and with an inability to receive. So then I'm asking myself, okay, you know, what does that look like when I'm out in space in social engagements? You know, what are people looking to me for? Can I, can I kind of, um, I don't want to say remove myself from the transaction, but can I have a kind of awareness and recognition of what this is, what this means in my body? Mm. And 
respond from that place kind of like can I say I'm not available for this right now Mm -hmm. I don't have enough capacity for this right now I need to take care of myself And I think I have spent a lot of my life just doing, 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 Mm -hmm. and not really even reflecting on those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you say the inability to receive, like that, there's so much around receiving. (laughs) There's what we're conditioned, you know. um, There's the there's the trauma that happens when maybe we've received messages or we've been shamed somehow of, Mm -hmm. you know, you should be able to take care of yourself or or whatever it is. There's so many different reasons why receiving can actually feel so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or be such a learned skill, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so then thinking about how we turn it on ourselves, like not giving myself space when I need that or, or yeah, Yeah, judging myself. And even looking kind of I think in that same article I say something about like you know is it possible that I have been groomed to be of service Mm -hmm. and what does it look like when I'm out of service when I don't want to be of service Mm -hmm. like how how can I do have both of those the on off button you know how can Mm -hmm. I do that for myself yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can see how a person would ask like one or two questions and then have to sit with that for a really long time right your answer is going to change with the seasons absolutely I mean even for me I think it's I think it's okay to say I don't know I don't have the answer for that question but Mm -hmm. I'm working on it I'm living the question yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. for sure that one really um struck me as somebody who has spent so much of my life coping through performance like well then I'll just work harder well then I just Mm -hmm. have to do it myself or well then I and so it absolutely is not instinctive for me to say I need help or I I can't do that right now it's like oh I I haven't been enough let me try more let me try again so that trend and that transactional piece of like I need to put in so many units so I can mm-hmm. get a little bit of yeah. lover support, but then I won't even expect the lover support. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow, yeah. that's, I'm really, I'm still unpacking this one. No, it Elva. is. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. And I think that the the place that I come to often is how can I choose me? Mm-hmm. How can I choose me? What does it look like? And, and not meaning that that's selfish or... Um, but more kind of like the lack of abandoning myself to those very things that you're talking about, like, mm-hmm. you know, really taking a, a moment to be like, all right, what, what do I actually need in this moment? Or if I'm somewhere and it just doesn't feel right, can I just give myself permission to leave? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's resonating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back again to what you said about what it takes to be human about Mm -hmm. it it does require grace as well because then we have to look at the people who maybe were transactional with us Mm -hmm. or that didn't meet our needs when we Mm -hmm. (laughs) really wanted them met or when we were vulnerable and did ask or whatever and uh you know I think about my own relationship with my mother that it's it was also complicated and and Mm -hmm. not super pleasant. Um, right. And yet there were times of, you know, great pleasantness. But when I think 
now on that relationship, there's so much more grace where it's like, though I, we still can't be in relationship. I have so much more patience and compassion and understanding, um, Mm -hmm. as a person, uh, you know, parenting now a 19 year old and hitting my own capacities, my own upper limits. It's like, yeah, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm parenting very differently (laughs) than others, but I can still hold so much more grace with, it's like, yeah, so this is a very transactional relationship and I'm not going to be that way with my child, but, um, but I can also hold a lot of grace around people are surviving for sure. When, when my mom was actually when she was passing away, I kind of looked at her at one moment and I I was reflecting on, you know, just our relationship and our time together this time around, this lifetime around for me and her. And just the, the, the thing that came to me was like, oh, she was perfectly imperfect, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like perfect for me in the most imperfect way. You know, Mm -hmm. if she hadn't been who she was, then I wouldn't be who I am. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, oh, okay, so maybe it's not always neat and tidy. Maybe it is messy and ugly and painful. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you about ancestors and how mm-hmm. you regard ancestors and let's say particularly close up ancestors like your mother who recently that's, passed? That's a rough one. That yeah. is, I, yeah, that if I'm totally honest with you, um, I, I f- oftentimes feel like I have access spiritually to kind of the other side or to just energies in general, I guess you could say. So I feel like I have a very um, strong affinity with my grandmother. And that's a really easy one for me to kind of connect with and be with. But my mother, not so, not so at all. And right now I'm writing another um, book right now that is kind of exploring that. Mm. And so I feel like maybe by the time I finish with 100,000 words or so, I might be in a different place. I don't know. But I feel like, um, I guess what I'm, what I sometimes notice this is being super honest and vulnerable is I, I notice my resistance to her love. Mm. Yeah. The, or, you know, kind of the way, the, kind of like not willing to take it the way she was able to give it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you, and is, is this a new struggle or it's, you're recognizing the struggle was there when she was alive? I think I recognized it. Um, before but I feel like it has become more more of a theme Mm. kind of more of a like hmm like why why is it that you weren't able to feel that or accept that or Mm. you know maybe I guess what it is is accountability on my part right Right. that I was part of the relationship too Mm. um, and for some reason I chose this woman to be my mother on some level Mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh that's confronting Velda it's like yeah I, the 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 particular kind of love at least in the last few years that we had relationship uh it's like yeah deciding so this this love that you're offering me is not um serving the needs of our relationship right. <laughs> and like and so 
I, yeah. And so like, that's a no for me. Thank yeah. you. Love you. But that's a no for me. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes well, I think, well, when a person dies, sometimes that's like the best evolutionary step for their soul. And maybe it'll be easier, but mm-hmm. it sounds like mm-hmm. maybe it'll become, it's also possible it becomes more acute. It, it's for a while. I mean, who, who, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how it will play out ultimately. Yeah. I mean, even, um, even like you say, you know, I sometimes question, did I love her? Did mm-hmm. I really love her? Was I able to really love her? And I, the answer I come up with is not really, no. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, very complicated. Fair. Yeah. To, to sort of claim to love a person and sort of make it like, mm-hmm. oh, but they didn't love me the way I needed. That's yeah. a big question to be like, did I love her? It's like, I definitely am not loving my mom in the way she wants me to love her. That's right. Her. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, talking about these kind of things makes pe- people feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we're meant to, right? Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. meant to. And it's then like the, the other- question you have to answer. Right. <laughs> you got to live that one and just, mm-hmm. just keep living it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other, the other angle that I have on that since this recent read, this recent writing that I'm doing is um, how did I get to be the nurturing mother to my own children when I didn't receive that? Mm-hmm. You know, so how, how does, how do you get to be what you never had? Mm-hmm. You know, there's an amazing study. Apparently I haven't gotten the study yet, but somebody has done a study of, of children who are very different from their parents. Oh yeah, I read I read about it in an article, and I have it like bookmarked that I'm going to oh, get this wow, study. So I'll pass it along to you. I would yeah, love exactly. that. Actually, that would be yeah super interesting. Yeah. So your you, the subtitle of your book, which is Perspectives on Belonging, or that's the title, Blended mm-hmm. Perspectives mm-hmm. on Belonging. Do you feel like you belonged to your mother or your family? Did you feel belonging? Hmm. Um, in a, in a certain way, yes. And in a certain way, no, it's, it's kind of a both and yeah. It's blended. It's blended. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I also, you know, I grew up in the UK, so I, even now I don't feel like that place is, is really home. I don't feel like I really belong there. It's like, oh, yeah, I was born there, but I spent 25 years living there, but it doesn't feel like my home. Mm-hmm. And, and when I talk about home or what I feel is home, I feel like my first place of home would be in my body. Mm-hmm. So if, if I can now I've, I'm like, oh, you know, if I can work on being and, and maybe that's part of being human too, being fully embodied, being able to be in this skin and feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was going to be my follow-up is like, where or when do you feel most belonging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where or when do you find joy? Where do you give joy? That's another question <laughs> you had in your book. Where do you yeah. find joy? Where do you give joy? Oh, Yeah. I did write some notes about this one, I think. Um, definitely family, um, nature. Uh, 
sometimes it can just be, you know, the simplest thing. Like the other day, there was a, a leaf kind of, you know, those leaves that float in the fall. Mm. <laughs> just watching a leaf float in the fall for a few minutes was really joyful for me. Um, I feel like horses are my heart, heart connection. Um, bees are training me to have joy in my nervous system when I'm working with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say those things are the things that bring me joy. Where am I giving joy? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I, I just recently um, did a little bit of shadow work with a friend of mine and recognized that um, I was not giving myself permission to play and be joyful. Mm. So it's hard for me to see at this point where where the palpable joy is, you know, kind of like if I'm handing it over, I'm not seeing it yet. You know? mm. So mm. that's an edge for sure. You mm-hmm. know, the, the words that she had for me were like, whimsy um curiosity you know like what what would you what would you gain if you could give yourself those things you know Mm. oh yeah I just had an experience this summer of growing a very large pumpkin yeah I love your pumpkin And see, it, it, it gave others a lot of joy. I thought yeah. it was just me that I was gaining joy from it and, and was like, oh, I'm just going to amplify this on social because I can't contain how exciting this is. That was me. so good. But actually, I was surprised how many other people also developed so much curiosity and, and joy and, yeah. and attachment to it. And I do feel like that gave a lot of joy. I can see people walk down the street and like, go like, whoa, look at that giant pumpkin. I've, yeah, I've yeah. had that experience of giving joy now and it's like oh yeah okay this is pretty addictive (laughs) and I think even your your kind of like reaction around it like your wonder at the weight gain and the kind of was just like it was great I loved it it was beautiful mirror neurons firing right so when we're like receiving joy we can be giving joy if we like really can be embodied with it and we're not trying to stifle it or minimize it or invalidate Mm -hmm. it somehow it's like we just like really give over to like yeah I'll cry I'll laugh I'll be overwhelmed with emotion it was so good it was so good yeah I do my best not to like recriminate myself like or or be like denigrating about yeah. my response even though mm-hmm. it, it sometimes is a little embarrassing <laughs> just how overwhelming it is but then I see like oh this is such a great point of connection with others and it's like yeah it can be your really great garden it could be you know a house that really goes wild with mm-hmm. Christmas lights that mm-hmm. kind of stuff like of course it Absolutely. feels good to give that kind of joy it's very yeah. it, it puts us in touch with a certain part of our humanity that can yeah. feel wonder and novelty. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Novelty yeah, it, is so wonderful. I kind of feel like, oh, I love that word novelty. Yeah. Maybe even like, you know, for me, it feels a little bit like, you know, tending to my eight-year-old little girl totally, and being like, Hey, you know, what are the things that you used to like? To, I want to just jump in that puddle or, totally. you know what I mean? Just kind totally. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make a little, let's pretend this place in the woods is our house. Exactly. Let's make mud pies. Let's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Totally. So the last question on the podcast mm. is always the same. How 
do you cope with grief and with rage? Mm. Oh, yeah. I've been a stuffer. I've definitely had the experience of being a stuffer of grief and rage. I Even in my, I don't know, I might have been like 19 or 20 and I used to practice Buddhism. And this one woman said to me one day, oh, you're so angry. I was like, me? Angry? Never, you know? Because <laughs> I think on the outside, I sometimes have this persona of, of a, a calm resonance, mm-hmm. but inside, not not now, but inside, it used to feel like a volcano. Mm-hmm. This kind of like raging turmoil kind of inside. Um, the things that have helped me are um, dancing has mm-hmm. been a, a big thing for me. Music and dancing. Um, water. Mm-hmm. Water has been a big thing. Um, I just recently have had the experience this year of Uh, starting to train to become a Watsu practitioner. What's that? It's an aquatic um, therapy where um, the the client is floated in warm water and kind of this stretching movements. It's usually ideally 95 degrees salt water. So just that experience of allowing myself to have effortlessness and allowing the water to kind of wash things away has been huge um I'm not a big kind of public crier or like wailer you know I'm not have not really don't really have a practice like that but making sound has definitely helped me Mm. to to be able to kind of shift things and come to a place of you know when you get that like oh I I sometimes say you know sound like creates space for us to be truly still inside Mm -hmm. and silent and that space where you're just like I don't want anybody to say anything I just want to be with this quiet for as long as I can Mm -hmm. that it's that has it's given me the ability to kind of sink into that kind of space yeah Mm. Um, wow and then of course you know self-care practice it I say of course but it's not obvious is it really <laughs> you know like it's not obvious that you need to be touched and you need to be held and you you know just the things that are that yeah they they don't seem obvious until you're like actually I really need that and I'm going to mm-hmm. give it to myself mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Wow, Velda, thank you for letting us sink in to your world and to your work for a while. And um, I want more. This feels more-ish. I love that we've had this conversation. Thank you for inviting me to be on. I was really looking forward to it. And I love to listen to your podcasts. This (laughs) felt really special. And I have, um, hold on a second. I have um, this oh, right here. Oh, you have here. the spirited kitchen. Oh, I have look, you have your book. Yet. I have my book. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Vice versa. I, yeah. Oh, that's I haven't so sweet. read it yet, but I love this idea of making um, spell jars. Mm, it's a fun one. I know. I'm kind of like, ooh, I can make some spell jars and put them all over. Oh, that totally. feels like a joy spot. For that me. is, and you yeah. can give that joy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I haven't been able to stop thinking about sound energy medicine with the voice of Velda Thomas <laughs> ever since she spoke about it. 
it is Moorish. And then when we stopped recording, I had a bunch more questions for her about the specifics and the mechanics of that and if she did it online and how long it was and what, exactly what happened. Basically, because I wanted to know how I could get her to bring the sessions to my online membership space, The Numinous Network. My friends, I'm working on it. I am determined to make this happen. And uh, I'm experiencing it first with Velda. We'll, we'll work out the nuances. But if you want to experience that with me, you'll want to make sure you're on my newsletter list so you can find out when Velda will join us there in the Numinous Network. So for now, Free Week is happening again in the Numinous Network from November 27th to December 3rd. And then right after that, the Spirit of Yuletide kicks off. Essentially, I think the first event actually is December 3rd, and that happens in the network throughout December with live workshops in uh, ritual crafts like vermouth making and himaly making and um, wreaths and garlands. And as always, of course, from winter solstice on December 21st through New Year's Day, we have daily podcasts about Yuletide folklore and rituals, as well as five-minute meditations to help you ground and soothe through the holidays. So if you liked the Yuletide chapter in my book, The Spirited Kitchen, you will love how it comes alive in the network throughout December. Now the listener shout out today is I want to thank someone who goes by Beckins. This person, Beckins, uh, about a month or three weeks ago, wrote a review on the Chapters Indigo website. Uh, review of the Spirited Kitchen. So if you if you purchased it online um, at Indigo or Chapters, or I think even if you purchased it in person, I'm not sure. Anyway, I know for sure if you purchased it online through Indigo in Canada, you can go and write a review. So this is a five-star review from Beckins who titled it a must for any kitchen witch. It starts, it says, this book, dot, 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 this book, that's all caps with like... <laughs> eight exclamation marks organized by the wheel of the year this book guides you in ritual craft and accompanied feasts appropriate to each sacred day carmen has offered a well-researched collection with a supporting appendix of ingredients and their magical usage to inform future rituals this book is dripping with the author's heart and soul thank you beckins it i feel seen and appreciated and like Yes, I feel received. It is dripping with my heart and soul, and I super appreciate the time you took to let the world know that you enjoyed that. Thank you for posting that on the Indigo's uh, website. Of course, The Spirited Kitchen is available um, online and in stores, and uh, you should ask your local independent bookseller to bring it in for you. I'm sure lots of other people in your community would love it, too. All right, my friends. I hope you are on the newsletter list. If you're not, just go to my website to sign up. It's carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.